Nobody's hands going up, so that's all right. So we're going to turn to page one of the New Testament. So the second set of page numbers in the Bible to Matthew chapter two. And let's pray together as we open God's word. Grateful are we, God of the universe, that you are one who makes yourself known in both the natural world and in scripture and most completely in Jesus Christ. And so as we see you at work inviting all kinds of people to meet the Savior born as a helpless baby, We pray with anticipation that we too will encounter you through not only the signs of this world, but also through your word so that we may find our home in Jesus as well. In your name we pray. Amen. So this is the story that starts Epiphany. This is the story of Epiphany. And in fact, Epiphany, which is this word that means manifest or to reveal. You can read a little bit more about that in your insert in your worship folders today. Epiphany was celebrated by the early church before Christmas was. So that shows you how important they thought this story was in telling the grand story of God, okay? So here, the story of Epiphany, the story of God being revealed to the world as God and people coming to recognize it as such Continuing with the nations coming to meet Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who was born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring word to me, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. 
So in past years, when we have looked at this text, we have explored that idea that starting here at Matthew's gospel, Matthew wants us to know that the good news of Jesus Christ is for the whole world, right? The insiders don't get it, but the outsiders do, and they are the ones that come and actually worship and pay homage to this newborn king as the outsiders. We also looked at how the they follow this sign that they see in creation, this star. Uh, so general revelation, the heavens declare the glory of God. And through that, God is inviting them to a deeper search that leads them to be uh, to the king who then brings in the people who know the scriptures, so special revelation, that confirms and adds to the knowledge that they have based on what they see in the world. So this idea that the world... And the scriptures come together to tell us a story about God that only then leads them to actually encounter Jesus, to actually find him, to go even deeper to the one who is the image of the invisible God. That journey of general to special to the savior of the world, that journey that they go on is the one that we continue to go on and people continue to go on in this world today. This morning, though, I want us to focus on the way that these wise people, these sages, these wise men, we don't really know the number, it's folklore to think that they're three, the way that they and the way that Herod deal with their fear. So this week, I spent some time, because I can't, I couldn't help but think, like, these people must know about Herod. Do you know about Herod? He was not a good man. Herod the Great, in fact, was his name. And these wise men who know Herod's reputation go to him and ask him, where is this one who's going to be king? And I was stuck there this week trying to figure out why God would send them into such a dangerous place. Now, to understand why it was so dangerous, why, and it is so amazing to me that these wise men walked directly into a place where they should have been afraid to do what they were doing, you have to know a little bit about Herod the Great. So Herod the Great uh, became ruler of this part of the Roman Empire around 40 BCE, and he ruled until uh, shortly after Jesus' birth. So he's, he's here at the end of his reign in the story as we encounter him. And he, uh, he is a subject of the Roman Empire, so he's not the head guy, but he is the head guy for the nation of Israel and Judea and surrounding areas. He rules that part of the Roman Empire for the Roman government. And he took over the job from his father, Herod. He also had sons named Herod, so it gets a little confusing. So Herod, at the time of Jesus' death, is one of the sons of Herod the Great at the time of Jesus' birth. So don't worry about that. Just know they're different people. Now, Herod, his father, converted their family to Judaism— as a way of appeasing the people that they were ruling. So technically, Herod the Great was supposed to be following Jewish customs and practices and religion. But if you look at all of the things that he did as a ruler, 
uh, including specifically the building projects that he did. And all the names that he gave to his building projects were Roman names. It's very evident and clear to see that he was very much still part of the Roman or Hellenistic culture and practice, and that the religion was just a face piece for him. Herod the Great was also a man who put in power all of the different leaders in the community, so whether they were religious or governmental. And he did so even though he wasn't supposed to. And he did so with the expectation that if he put you into power, you owed him his job. You owed him because he gave you the job, and you better do. He expected allegiance. You better do what he said. He even appointed the highest religious leaders in the community, which was meant to be a separate entity to keep those powers in check. Remember that role of the prophet uh, that we looked at with the king last week. From the beginning, from the beginning of his time and power, it is uh, agreed that Herod the Great was obsessed with keeping his power. He executed anyone who put up any sort of hint of a threat. He executed sons. He even executed a wife whom he loved deeply because he was so paranoid about losing his place and his power. He built palaces all over the kingdom, but then he also built three fortresses, uh, Macarius in Jordan, the Herodian, just outside of Jerusalem, between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and Masada. And those fortresses were not meant to protect him from foreign invasion. Those fortresses were built to be places where he could go in case of a rebellion starting among his own people. He ruled in such a way that he didn't allow any mass gatherings or citizen gatherings to be held unless he was the one to form them. And he had spies throughout his kingdom an area. And sometimes he himself, when he was younger, would go and walk among the people in disguise to try to figure out what people were thinking and saying about him. And he would do things to appease people from time to time to try to keep them satisfied. He would give some food when people were hungry, and he would give away clothing to the poor. And then he would announce, he would announce and gather the people to hear about his building projects that he had planned. And he hoped that through those things, he could keep the people at as much placated as possible. And one of those building projects, even though God had given dimensions for what should be the temple, one of those building projects was to make the temple mount twice as big as it was before. To make it greater than what God had designed. And then, knowing uh, at the point of his death, knowing that he was going to die soon, he was so obsessed with his own status and so worried that people would not mourn his passing that he made it a law that when he died, a number of prisoners should be executed so that their families would mourn and the nation would actually go into mourning so that he would be mourned at his death. Herod the Great, a man 
obsessed. A man so afraid of losing his place and his status and his power, so worried about it that it became an obsession that ruled his life, that isolated him, that made all of Jerusalem afraid with him when they heard that someone had told Herod that a new king had been born. And the wise men go and tell this man who has executed every threat, and who will try to do that again. If you read the next part of the Matthew story, Jesus and his family are told by an angel to flee to Egypt because Herod has decided to murder every little boy under the age of two. Because if he can't find the one that is spoken of in in this message from the wise men, he will murder all of them to keep his power even though he is an old man, full of fear and worry that has led him to be obsessive. And so when he hears this question, the text says that he is frightened, but really that could be translated as he is stirred up inside. He is inwardly confused. He is full of turmoil because this thing that he has been working to close himself off into this place of protection and power, this facade, really, that he has built up around him is being challenged again by something he does not understand. So his answer, his answer to that inner turmoil is to try to bring it to peace by exerting his power, by calling together the scribes and the, and the people who, who will understand the scriptures and help him to make sense of what he has just heard, to give him the information that he wants so that he can find the threat and, and end it. His answer is to scheme and to plan and to keep going in what he has always been about, to be ruled by that fear and that obsession and that worry. Instead of hearing what God has brought to him, which is an invitation. At first, at first when I was thinking about this story, I was thinking about how God was saying, yeah, buddy, I'm not afraid of you. A little baby born vulnerable in a manger versus a king who is powerful and known to destroy all threats to him. That maybe God sent the wise men to put Herod on notice. And that was comforting and good news to me. But what about for Herod? Do we truly believe, as we have heard this morning from Sharon, that God loves us enough to say, That there is never a point where you've done too much bad to not be forgiven? Maybe what was happening when those wise men were in their own exploration of God's invitation to them were extending an invitation to Herod. Maybe, maybe God was giving him a chance see and encounter for himself what the wise men were on their way to encounter. For the wise men also don't understand 
what they're encountering. They don't understand, and so they go and get the information that they need. They continue to gather up all of these signs, the things that they see in the world, the stories of the, of the wise men from the country in which they are at, the sages of Scripture, the high priests and the scribes. And then they are overwhelmed with joy. And notice that they're overwhelmed with joy before, before they even see Jesus. They are overwhelmed with joy because they know that what they are encountering is good. They know that at at the end of this search, at the apex of their journey, they are at something good. What for Herod was something bad because he couldn't handle going and seeking out with curiosity this invitation being given to him. The wise men who have been not ruled by fear or worry or obsession, but ruled and guided by their curiosity and their wonder encounter the goodness that is the Savior of the world. And that was the invitation to Herod. Maybe it was a little to put him on notice, but maybe it was also to manifest the grace of God to him. To stir up things that did not belong and that had been guiding him. To invite him to curiosity and wonder instead of fear and obsession and control. And this is the plight of humanity. To be ruled by fear is to be ruled by worry, is to become obsessed. But to be in awestruck wonder of our God is to be curious about the signs that we receive. To seek clarity in the scriptures and in the journey and the search to finally find ourselves at home with the living God who is Jesus. To join the wise men who do not understand, who but who keep searching. Who are filled with joy without complete comprehension about what it is that they are encountering. Or to continue on as we've always been plotting and scheming and trying to quiet the unrest inside of us that God is inviting us to be rid of. This is the work of the manifesting God. This is the work of our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the invitation of the epiphany God who continues to reveal himself to a people who are searching. Amen. Holy Spirit, be our guide. So much of us is controlled by things that we have not taken the time to explore. 
And so may this season of learning to see you be a season where we learn about the narratives and the habits that we have become obsessed with. In this season of learning to see you, God, may we come to see how our ways of being affect and hinder the lives of others. In this season of learning to see you, God, may we take note of the times when we get stirred up. And instead of trying to squash it down deep, may your Holy Spirit be our guide to point us to the way that Christ is bringing healing and peace to those places. May we never forget the broadness of the good news that it truly is for all people. And may we learn to see how you are continuing to gather people into your family. We praise you and we thank you. And we pray that as we continue our search, you will show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to 